Welcome to another Booch News podcast with Ian Griffin. Well, we're back with Gary Lee of Go Kombucha. If you uh, heard part one in a podcast interview, Gary talked about the history of Go Kombucha and the, the quality of teas and everything else he uses. Right now, we'd like to switch gears and ask you, Gary, about your observations on this industry overall, especially in the UK, but worldwide. So good to have you back again. Nice to be back, Ian. How are you doing? Uh, well, same as ever, same as ever. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's so much to talk about with kombucha. And what I've started focusing on recently in the boochnews.com blog is the business aspect of it. I grew at home, so, you know, as long as I don't, uh, you know, blow the house up by plugging in the, uh, the, the, the kombucha, you know, the warming pads to the wrong outlet or something, I'm fine. And I don't have any, any overheads to speak of. But in the world of commercial kombucha, since you started 20 years ago, you were the first brand in Britain. There are now on boochnews.com's worldwide directory, I don't know, 90, getting on for 100, some of, and, and a number have gone out of business. And I know you, you've got opinions on this. So what, what's, your kind of, what's your observations on the challenges that, it, and, and you've written about this in the case of Go Kombucha, the challenges people face doing this for a business, to make a living uh, brewing and selling kombucha in the marketplace? Where would you, how would you begin describing the challenges? If you recall, Ian, a few years ago, I think it was 2018, I was interviewed by a Canadian online magazine. Um, I, I've got the name of it, but you, you, might, you might remember. Um, and in, in the interview, I, I, at some point, I was asked, would I recommend anybody coming into the market now? And I was quite adamant in saying, no, no, absolutely not. Um, and some people m misinterpreted it as saying, oh, Gary wants to, you know, the market all for himself. He doesn't want people coming in. But actually, it was a real, um, it was all effort to kind of put the message out there that, you know, it's bloody hard work making any money out of kombucha. If you're coming into something, you know, uh, years after other people have already, you know, cleaned their shelf space, if you like. And, you know, uh, it's basically just born of knowing, you know, how hard it can be and, and, and then knockbacks and everything. And, you know, I was really trying to protect anybody out there with limited savings thinking, oh, it's a gold rush. It's a, you know, I must, I must join it, you know, and be, be rich in a, in a year. It's really nothing like that. And, and my, my, you know, my kind of, you know, uh, spreading that kind of message to just be wary has, has, has borne fruit, uh, unfortunately, because, you know, mo most businesses that have registered as kombucha business in the UK, you know, that they, they don't succeed past past two years. Um, and uh, as, as we discovered recently on an interview with the BBC, uh, a radio program called The Food Programme, uh, they interviewed the uh, one of the founders of LA Brewery and... Uh, he was one of the founders of Green and Black's Chocolate. So um, he saw kombucha as, you know, basically a golden, a golden egg. Um, and he was basically lamenting how, how disappointed he is that it's not taken off in the UK as a lot of these bigger companies had assumed it would do. Um, a, further, a further investigation into how, how all, all the companies in the UK are performing 
Um, you, sort of, you can actually go into a company's house and look at uh, audited, audited accounts, and it's really staggering reading to see, you know, the parlous state of, of, of the biggest companies, not not just the ones that have come in from Australia, but the, the biggest UK companies. They, you know, they're sitting on debt, cash pile debts of uh, over a million, some, some over three million pounds. Um, and that's quite, that's quite a revelation and quite a shock to uh, um, to, to realise. So no, kombucha is not taken off in the UK as many have predicted it would do. Um, I, I have my own um, opinions as to why that is, not least the, the climate, um, the, you know, the attitude to health um, and exercise and, you know, fit, feeling... Uh, fit, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I... I got to jump in here because I, I just literally, I grew up in England, but I left 40 years and 50 years ago, it seems. can't believe the time's gone by. But I was back there at the uh, beginning of this month, beginning of October, on, I took a canal trip with my wife and, and, um, and cousin in Cheshire, where I grew up, into Shropshire. And even in the smallest villages, you go to a cafe, there's gluten-free options, there's vegan in the restaurants, there's grilled halloumi. And to me, that's actually more available health food-wise or dietary-wise than even in parts of California. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, the Hollywood Hills or, or Haight-Ashbury where everybody's vegan or vegetarian. But it's, it, to me, it seems England, Britain, is as tuned into healthy eating, gluten, as anywhere. And, and so, to me, it's, it is surprising that kombucha is lagging as a, as a, and also that a high percentage of especially younger people in the UK don't drink alcohol. It would seem to be a natural fit. And, and as that food program interview with the LA Brewery guy said, he was mystified as to why it's a slow acceptance. Maybe it's just an inherent conservative with a small c attitude to, uh, to beverages in the UK versus they're willing to embrace halloumi, which I'd never heard of growing up in the well, I, think, I, think, I think certainly the, the kind of places and cafes and the, the tranquil settings that you, that you talk of, you're always going to find a leamy and, you know, not, not roast. And, you know, for, for a while, um, when I was trying to get the, my business back off the ground, I had an accident in 2016, so we were off the shelves for quite a long time. Um, I, I, I made a point of doing a lot of vegan shows um, as kind of um, my rehab program. So I'd be, I'd, I'd go all over the country on crutches and stand, set up my stand, literally holding the deck table with one hand. It, it was part of my therapy, really. So I, I got to know a lot of the vegan, um, you know, movement and everything. And, you know, I mean, it's there. I mean, there are people there. And, you know, and as you say, the, the, the tree-hugging Hilimi lovers, they are out there. But, Unfortunately, there's 60 million people in the UK, and they and they put they make such a small proportion of the overall. You know, we're, we're still a nation that 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 that's sick on obesity, diabetes, the junk food. You know, it it, it you know it, people are eating healthy, but they're not not in the numbers that are needed to um, create a, a, an industry that's going to make millionaires of of every kombucha. Um, Brewer, uh, so, so, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I accept that. I mean, uh, my last comment would be one of my ties to the UK and amuses people even that at my age that grew up with is because uh, of the BBC 
radio website. You can listen to any broadcast. I actually listen to the Archers regularly, and believe it or not, they mentioned kombucha about a year ago because there's a, a fictional town. If anybody's not aware of it, I check out Archers radio program. It's been on for over 70 years, and they would t- they make uh, kefir in on the Archers, and so. You know, a kefir, it's fermented food. But let's put that to one side for a minute because, okay, it's an uphill struggle. And nobody, I mean, we've got, we've got the, the golden boy, if you want to call him that, GT Dave down in Los Angeles, who's a billionaire. But he's got a huge market, 300 million Americans. And for whatever uh, um, reason, it, 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 it did take off here um, in a way that it hasn't in the U.K., but again, just to get to maybe a root cause or two, not the root cause, but the major challenge. I mean, you've written extensively about your own journey. If, if somebody wants to start a commercial kombucha company in the UK or even in parts of the US today, what would be the, would they just need a very deep pocket to, to um, launch? Right. I have... <laughs> Like GT Dave, you mean, with, with, you know, when he started his kombucha and had millionaire parents to help him on his way. I mean, that's how he was able to succeed so quickly. And 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 all credit to him. I think it's wonderful that he that he stuck to glass bottles. I think it's wonderful that he's never changed the recipes. And I take my hat off to him because you know that's how you become a billionaire. You stay true to true to yourself yeah. and, and and your ethics. And and I would say. Let's um, just bring it bring into play um, quite a personal point actually. Um, when you talk of going to like you know little cafes in um, you know in Cheshire, the sort of places that you know vegans would go, they they're probably looking for real kombucha that's in bottles and glass. If they see if they see um, a, a cheap tin can that says kombucha on the label, they're going to leave it. They're not even going to touch it. Those tin cans really are, were, were uh, you know, m- m- really to try and kind of entice the more the more mainstream, the more junk food oriented person to pick me up and try me, and then you know, it, it, when it when it then tastes just like any other fruit soda, that then you know, kombucha is never going to get off the ground in the UK. This is a problem with, with, um, that they that they don't really seem to realise. You can't pack kombucha in. Um, porous polymer plastic um, lined aluminium cans expect it to fly off the shelf. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's just the wrong product in, in the wrong packaging. So Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you've, t- you've commented extensively on the risks of acidic liquid uh, kombucha with its low pH in a polymer lined can. And, and cans, you know, are the the sort of cheaper way to ship lower lower weight than glass and it, 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 it's, it's not I'm not really talking about the toxic properties of the packing in such a hazardous environment and and there almost certainly are I mean there inevitably will be um, and you know studies have been done to show that that the plastic lining um, is not sufficient to stop the aluminium actually entering into the into the product especially if it's a certified tea but but my, my main point here is that you know that the sort of market kombucha should be aimed at first in order to then grow. It's not been catered for because um, that, you know it's been packed in by many, many, many brewers now. It's been packed in these cheap, very ugly, standard conformist uh, aluminium cans. And 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 you you look at it and you you think there's a conflict here. I'm looking for a quality product that's going to make me healthy, 
and but you know I'm hearing all about kombucha and this Kansas kombucha I won't buy anything in a can because it's not going to be that good for me it's going to be over processed and if it's a live product in that can then they would have to have to have done something to it in order to stabilize it so it's not going to be the real the real kombucha so there's a lot of mixed messaging that comes up when you see a can of kombucha in a store um and i'm i'm, I'm sure that if, if uh whole foods or pan organic were to refill a, a lot of their data it will refill that most people only buy the glass bottles and when i go into the whole foods these days i i, I very rarely see cans of kombucha it's just glass bottles that are selling so you know mm. If you switch to cans, and this is a, this is something I've spotted, a lot of the brute, uh, um, companies that have gone to cans, they, they've, they've closed down within a couple of years after that. Kombucha Cat, Wild Fizz, uh, Fixate, before they were then um, bailed out. Um, and, and, and now it looks like Johnny Wilkinson, the famous rugby player, uh, Sainsbury, who were backing him, has now pulled out. And his companies are in an awful financial market. Because he switched from grass originally, and now his, all of his number one kombucha products are mostly only available in cans. People don't yeah. want kombucha in cans. It's a conflicting message. Right. Okay. Yeah, point taken. And, and you did mention uh, right at the beginning of this episode that they uh, went by very quickly, but I did a blog post where I looked at the data in the UK. There's this website, Companies House which covers the whole country. I think in the U.S. it's state by state, so it's not as easy to get national. But you've looked at the data for kombucha companies. Sometimes I just looked at com companies with, quote, the word kombucha in their name, but many holding companies, like your company, isn't, doesn't, it's not owned by a company called something kombucha. You've looked at the data. What, what has that shown you about some of the bigger operations, uh, how they're being financed and the challenges well, they're facing? What, what, what it's shown me really is is, is what um, LA Brewery, the fact that the founder of uh, LA Brewery was re re really saying. They went into it big, think, you know, having big dreams, um, expecting it to be almost like a gold rush. So, but there was a real rush to get your product out there um, on on the shelves. But what what I've noticed looking looking at the the uh, accounts of these various companies is. Um, <laughs> it's really, you, you, you have shareholders. If you want to come in big, right away, and you've got enormously deep pockets, you can finance it yourself. You're then beholden to others to come in, give them your money on the expectation that you're going to make that money work for you and, and, and increase, you know, and give, give them a nice big return. And unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of people in this country that are um, saddled with an enormous lot of debt. And, and, and each year, the companies then have to go back to the shareholders and say, look, if we're going to continue for another year, we're going to need more money um, in order just to, to keep going. So then those shareholders then have to bail them out and, or see their shareholding diminished and, you know, uh, what they call it, diluted. So it's a never-ending circle of, you know, shoring up a business or, or filling a, a boat up, that's, a boat that's got a hole in and you're just literally bailing the water out. It's not working, and um, a lot of these bigger companies—I won't name them—but they're literally penning together on the thread. And if I was them, I would I would bail out, call it a day, and you know, um, stop, you know, start asking their shareholders for more and more money for 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 something that's never going to turn around. 
not, not in the economic climate that we currently um, have with inflationary pressures, um, you know, all, all supply costs are going up, bottles, um, cake, uh, packaging materials, everything's going up, electricity, it, it's just not, it, you know, I, I think a lot of people, unless they're prepared to downsize like I did, you know, have that humility to say, look, retail's not working for us, the, the distribution um, network, it, it's not, it's not like really compatible with, with a live product like kombucha. Walk away, stop, stop going back to your shareholders year after year. You know, um, you know, it, it's just not working. Right. Well, let me ask you that because you mentioned downsizing, and <clears throat> I've always wondered, or I, I, my observation is, you know, in all of the companies I've listed in the in the Booch News Worldwide Directory. The, there are a few, of course, that the international brands, uh, Remedy, you mentioned, I think, is the big Australian one. Uh, and then we've got GTs in the U.S. Uh, and the, some of the Johnny Wilkinson's number one, which distribute nationally. But is it possible or isn't it possible to make a living if you're one step up from a home brewer? So if I was to scale up, get some bottles, I mean, I know I'd have to pay much higher unit costs for a small number of bottles couldn't i go to farmers markets and 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 a few cafes and you know it costs a few cents a, a gallon to brew and i can sell it for three or four pounds a bottle isn't is it possible do people in your estimation who maybe a husband and wife or two college friends who want to not get to be wealthy don't want investors can you know get a small loan buy some fermentation vessels and is it is that a, is that economically feasible in your estimation from my viewpoint as a kind of little home cottage industry uh business kind of thing if, if you've got other employment if you've got other stream of income coming in then by all means absolutely it will make you a little bit of extra income but it's a very low yield um product even if you make it at home you know, you still got to buy the bottles or the, you know, packet. You got to get to the event. You got to drive. You got to, or your time and everything, and and you know the cost of actually hiring, you know, a space at, at you know, uh, you know, just just to sell your products. It's nice as a little kind of, or, or it's nice as a shop window if you are, you know, if you do have a larger business to to show off your products and hopefully get new customers. But it's never going to make you a full time living. No. It's not, and I, I just implore people to, re, you know, realise that, and, and, and so, you know, stop stop trying to get money off the bad. If if you've been stuck in a rut for years, it's not going to get any better now. Um, and you know, the way I grew my business, um, I never ever went to anybody for for uh, investment because I knew that you know, letting other people in, it would impair my vision, my, my ethics. I wanted to run my business entirely ethically. I didn't want anybody to, to have it, to be able to say, no, I don't want this or that. I wanted to be, be true to my vision, true to the word that I gave to Alec Bartholomew when I said I would protect the legacy. And, uh, you know, it's been hard. It's been lots of ups and downs. I had a major accident in 2016 that was brought about by, um, you know, a major breakdown. Um, but I picked myself up brushed myself down and uh, by 2018 I, I, I paid off my last debt and now make a very nice income on it being smaller but being debt free because once you're in debt it's a never-ending circle of um, 
of debt that, that then materializes you're just paying off you know the interest on the debt and then it just it just um it gets out of all control so you know although i run the business on a far smaller scale now i'm actually making more money um than i was um making twice as much or even three times as much when i was making it for a, a white label for rude health uh, back in 2018, so I make a very nice living now. But it's only because I persevered for for 20 years, and I would not ask, I would not I, I would not recommend anybody to <laughs> to try and follow that business plan because you know okay. it, at all. Um, you know, also there's a big responsibility that comes with approaching investors because you know you're taking their money, and you know that you, you, you know you have a duty to to provide a return on that because the sales pitch is that you will but a lot of, i do find a lot of um a, a lot of companies at the startup like kombucha but others as well they get all the, they get all of the investors money in and they, they suddenly think oh you know we can just do what we like with it and that money disappears very quickly through largesse and you know irresponsible you know um you know um handling of of, of other people's funds basically I mean, I was really, really, <laughs> I was really peeved recently to look um, uh, on the social media of, one of the probably the biggest UK homegrown brand, and um, realising the amount of debt they're in. But yet, only recently they were boasting about, you know, having a B Corp certificate. Now, I looked up B Corp, and to actually have an audit to be to be told that you're that you're running your your, your business. In, in you know in, in a woke way and therefore you're, you're wonderful it actually cost about 1200 pounds so this company was already on its knees um when they decided oh let's virtue signal and you know get a b course certificate i'm sorry but you're you, you know that's other people's money that you, that you made that decision on and i think that's unethical um i think it's just basically wrong you know you, there's right. an yeah, I hear what I hear what you're saying. Um, in fact, I'd just refer people who are listening to this. But I did review a book uh, called Ramping Your Brand, uh, How to Ride the Killer CPG Growth Curve. It's a consumer package good. And it's really about, you know, he mentions kombucha, I think, a couple of times. But it's about all of the consumer package goods you could think of, uh, you know, anything that, that sells on the shelf. And, and he does warn people especially uh, about investments uh, that invest having a big wad of money it's often a you know the worst thing that can happen to you because you then blow it on things like you mentioned B Corp or, or distribution where it doesn't sustain I, I am surprised I will say though to hear you uh, mention how challenging it is for I call them a ma-and-pa business. I don't know if that's just an American phrase. Ma-and-pa businesses, so, you know, somebody, a, a young couple, uh, want to start a family, maybe they bought their first house, but they, they're able to, you know, get together a few thousand pounds, a few thousand dollars, and start selling kombucha locally because many of the ones I've interviewed, now, I haven't gone back and asked, are you still in business, are you still in business, but, uh, you know, the, the statistics are, I think half of all new businesses go out of all the industries fail within two to three years. And, and we've seen that that's the case with many kombucha companies that are no longer in business. But it does seem if you've got a little niche, like, um, you know, maybe you're in an area of the country where kombucha isn't 
easily accessible. Or in another country, I mean, there are many countries around the world where there's no kombucha, and if you started a small brand and you were willing to do it as a side business with a day job, you might be able to, you know, build it slowly, not, oh, not trying uh, to go for national distribution. Uh, Absolutely. If you're prepared to put the time in and have the patience to grow it organically, like I did, then the rewards will eventually come. Absolutely, because you keep reinvesting and reinvesting within your own cash flow. So that's how you build your business. You don't you don't borrow money to to finance the next brewing. You know that money's there because you you know you, you you've been out and you've sold it and you know and you put that money back in and back in and it circulates. Um, but but also you know. You can't, nobody just can just make kombucha. Um, you know, you, you you know, you've got to have a USP or a couple of USPs to make your stand out from the rest, and, and really, 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 you know, put put your hundred percent passion into it. Um, which which brings me on to um, you know, it, you know, you can buy you can buy ready made um, concentrate now, and the, and there's a there's a company in Europe that that does actually make something called Mandakay. And it's, it's it's a concentrate that 150 brands apparently use. So if you come in if you come in as a mom and pop business and think, hey, you know, we're going to make kombucha, we'll just buy some manake, mix it up instantly, and put it in bottles, and we'll, we'll be selling it tomorrow at the local church fete. And I'm sorry, that's not the right attitude, and and you you won't get very far because you know the, the, the whole energy around what you're doing it, it's not it's not made with the best intent. It's you know, you're, you're just there to make a quick buck, you know. And kombucha is a live, a live product, and it really does resonate with the intent and the energy around you and, you know, your aura and, you know, whether you were there to exploit it or whether you were there to use it for the, for the greater good. Because if it's real, pure, 100% authentic kombucha, then you know it's going to be helping people's guts, you know, it's going to be helping with candida and skin problems and you know companies i don't say that on the site or anywhere but i think it's on the podcast it's going out to a few hundred people but um you know the intent behind what you do is so important if you as i say if you're going in there just to make money a quick you know to join the gold rush then sorry i have no time for you whatsoever yeah okay well this has been a very interesting supplement to the first podcast if you didn't hear that go to boochnews.com where gary talks about his own uh, journey starting 20 years ago as the original UK kombucha brand to where he is today. And um, what, just to finish off then, Gary, I mean, where do you hope to be in another 20 years? Maybe like me, you hope to be retired and, you know, grandchildren on the knee or whatever. But um, where do you and where do you think this business will be uh, in you know, another 20 years. What, what would your hopes be and what are your fears? For well, that's, that's, a, that's a good question, and I think I have an answer for that. Um, I don't have an exit strategy, and apparently if you're running a successful business, you have to have an exit strategy, they say. Um, and, you know, there, was a, there were many years when I was, was just happy to get through the next day, to be honest with you, where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning or face the, the, the mail, the, the, you know, the top of the... On, uh, letters on the doormat um, so so I've never really thought ahead I'm just grateful to be where I am in the moment and I, I do know now that you know what will be will be I, I, I do feel very guided in what I do so I, I feel that that decision really is not in my hands if you know what I mean what I'm saying so 
you know, where I've been 20 years, um, you know, I, well, I hope I, I'll have a legacy to leave behind, even if I'm still, still around. But, uh, you know, I just like to know that I've done as much self, you know, I've done something altruistic and given back something through, you know, you know, making real kombucha available to as many people that seek it out and, you know, made a difference to their health. I've literally just ch- chatting to one of my customers before 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 the call, a uh, gentleman, um, he buys quite regularly, he's got into quite a conversation. He's saying, you know, if, if I stop drinking your kombucha now, um, the candida comes back, um, you know, so I know it's working for me. Um, you know, to have that is, is all the... Um, um, the recognition I need really um, to, you know to know that I've been I'm doing the right thing and helping others it's never been about about making lots of money or you know I just felt very guided I, I, I feel that I was made for this role I feel the way that I came into it and met my friends in their boathouse it was all by, by some kind of greater design if you like so you know where I'm in 20 years that's out of my hands I just go from day to day I'm happy what I do Love getting up in the morning and you know um, seeing the orders and getting emails from customers and you know how you know that I now know about on first name terms. I mean, you know what what could be nicer than that? You know, um, to actually get direct feedback for what you do and know that you're making a difference each day. That's, well, that's great, Gary. Uh, good luck and uh, you know hopefully yeah in 20 years we'll. We'll, we'll all the, the whole country will be drinking kombucha. It'll it won't be a secret anymore, and uh, you will have helped uh, in bringing that uh, uh, the good the good uh, beverage that it is to people. So it's been great talking with you. Uh, a long conversation. Usually I don't do two parts, but uh, thanks everybody for listening, and thanks to you, Gary, for spending time with us. Well, thank you, Ian, for the opportunity. And why not let's meet? Let's do do a podcast in twenty years' time. See where we both are. Huh? <laughs> well, we'll see about that. All right. Goodbye, okay. then. Bye, Ian. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.